Chapter Two of the Chronicles of Avonlea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Chronicles of Avonlea, by Lucy Maud Montgomery, Chapter Two, Old Lady Lloyd, Part Three, The July Chapter. The first day of July Sylvia found a little birch-bark boat full of strawberries at the beach in the hollow. They were the earliest of the season. The old lady had found them in one of her secret haunts. They would have been a toothsome addition to the old lady's slender bill of fare, but she never thought of eating them. She got far more pleasure out of the thought of Sylvia's enjoying them for her tea. Thereafter the strawberries alternated with the flowers as long as they lasted and then came blueberries and raspberries. The blueberries grew far away, and the old lady had many a tramp after them. Sometimes her bones ached at night because of it. But what cared the old lady for that? Bone ache is easier to endure than soul ache, and the old lady's soul had stopped aching for the first time in many a year. It was being nourished with heavenly manna. One evening Crooked Jack came up to fix something that had gone wrong with the old lady's well. The old lady wandered affably out to him, for she knew he had been working at the Spencers all day, and there might be crumbs of information about Sylvia to be picked up. "'I reckon the music teacher's feeling pretty blue this evening,' Crooked Jack remarked, after straining the old lady's patience to the last verge of human endurance by expatiating on William Spencer's new pump, and Mrs. Spencer's new washing-machine, and Amelia Spencer's new young man. "'Why?' asked the old lady, turning very pale. Had anything happened to Sylvia? Well, she's been invited to a big party at Mrs. Moore's brother's in town, and she hasn't got a dress to go in, said Crooked Jack. They're all great swells, and everybody will be got up regardless. Mrs. Spencer was telling me about it. She says Miss Gray can't afford a new dress because she's helping to pay her aunt's doctor's bills. She says she's sure Miss Gray feels awful disappointed over it, although she doesn't let on. But Mrs. Spencer says she knows she was crying after she went to bed last night. The old lady turned and went into the house abruptly. This was dreadful. Sylvia must go to that party. She must. But how was it to be managed? Through the old lady's brain passed wild thoughts of her mother's silk dresses. But none of them would be suitable, even if there were time to make one over. Never had the old lady so bitterly regretted her vanished wealth. I've only two dollars in the house, she said, and I've got to live on that till the next day the egg peddler comes round. Is there anything I can sell? Anything? Yes, yes, the grape jug. Up to this time the old lady would as soon thought of trying to sell her head as the grape jug. The grape jug was two hundred years old and had been in the Lloyd family ever since it was a jug at all. It was a big pot-bellied affair festooned with pink gilt grapes and with a verse of poetry printed on one side, and it had been given as a wedding present to the old lady's great-grandmother. As long as the old lady could remember, it had sat on the top shelf in the cupboard in the sitting-room wall, far too precious ever to be used. Two years before, a woman who collected old china had explored Spencervale, and getting word of the grape-jug, had boldly invaded the old Lloyd place and offered to buy it. She never, to her dying day, forgot the reception the old lady gave her, but, being wise in her day and generation, she left her card, saying that if Miss Lloyd ever changed her mind about selling the jug, 
she would find that she, the aforesaid collector, had not changed hers about buying it. People who make a hobby of heirloom china must meekly overlook snubs, and this particular person had never seen anything she coveted so much as that grape jug. The old lady had torn the card to pieces, but she remembered the name and address. She went to the cupboard and took down the beloved jug. "'I never thought to part with it,' she said wistfully. "'But Sylvia must have a dress, and there was no other way. And after all, when I'm gone, who would there be to have it? Strangers would get it then. It might as well go to them now. I'll have to go to town to-morrow morning, for there's no time to lose if the party is Friday night. I haven't been to town for ten years.' I dread the thought of going, more than parting with the jug. But for Sylvia's sake— It was all over Spencervale by the next morning that old Lady Lloyd had gone to town, carrying a carefully guarded box. Everybody wondered why she went. Most people supposed she had become too frightened to keep her money in a black box below her bed, when there had been two burglaries over at Carmody, and had taken it to the bank. The old lady sought out the address of the china collector, trembling with fear that she might be dead or gone. But the collector was there, very much alive, and as keenly anxious to possess the grape jug as ever. The old lady, pallid with the pain of her trampled pride, sold the grape jug and went away, believing that her great-grandmother must have turned over in her grave at the moment of the transaction. Old Lady Lloyd felt like a traitor to her traditions. But she went unflinchingly to a big store, and guided by that special providence which looks after simple-minded old souls in their dangerous excursions into the world, found a sympathetic clerk who knew just what she wanted and got it for her. The old lady selected a very dainty muslin gown, with gloves and slippers in keeping, and she ordered it sent at once, expressage paid, to Miss Sylvia Gray in care of William Spencer, Spencervale. Then she paid down the money, the whole price of the jug, minus a dollar and a half for railroad fare, with a grand, careless air, and departed. As she marched erectly down the aisle of the store, she encountered a sleek, portly, prosperous man coming in. As their eyes met, the man started, and his bland face flushed crimson. He lifted his hat and bowed confusedly. But the old lady looked through him as if he wasn't there, and passed on with not a sign of recognition about her. He took one step after her, then stopped and turned away, with a rather disagreeable smile and a shrug of his shoulders. Nobody would have guessed, as the old lady swept out, how her heart was seething with abhorrence and scorn. She would not have had the courage to come to town, even for Sylvia's sake, if she had thought she would meet Andrew Cameron. The mere sight of him opened up anew a sealed fountain of bitterness in her soul— but the thought of Sylvia somehow stemmed the torrent, and presently the old lady was smiling rather triumphantly, thinking rightly that she had come off best in that unwelcome encounter. She, at any rate, had not faltered and colored and lost her presence of mind. It is little wonder he did, thought the old lady vindictively. It pleased her that Andrew Cameron should lose before her the front of adamant he presented to the world. He was her cousin, and the only living creature old Lady Lloyd hated, and she hated and despised him with all the intensity of her intense nature. She and hers had sustained grievous wrong at his hands, and the old lady was convinced that she would rather die than take any notice of his existence. Presently she resolutely put Andrew Cameron out of her mind. It was desecration to think of him and Sylvia together. When she laid her weary hand on her pillow that night, she was so happy— 
that even the thought of the vacant shelf in the room below, where the great jug had always been, gave her only a momentary pang. It's sweet to sacrifice for one we love. It's sweet to have someone to sacrifice for, thought the old lady. Desire grows by what it feeds on. The old lady thought she was content, but Friday evening came, and found her in a perfect fever to see Sylvia in her party dress. It was not enough to fancy her in it. Nothing would do the old lady but seeing her. "'And I shall see her,' said the old lady resolutely, looking out from her window, at Sylvia's light gleaming through the firs. She wrapped herself in a dark shawl and crept out, slipping down to the hollow and up the wood lane. It was a misty moonlight night, and a wind, fragrant with the aroma of clover fields, blew down the lane to meet her. "'I wish I could take your perfume, the soul of you, and pour it into her life,' said the old lady aloud to that wind. Sylvia Gray was standing in her room, ready for the party. Before her stood Mrs. Spencer and Amelia Spencer and all the little Spencer girls in an admiring semicircle. There was another spectator. Outside, under the lilac bush, old Lady Lloyd was standing. She could see Sylvia plainly, in her dainty dress with the pale pink roses old Lady Lloyd had left at the beach that day for her in her hair. Pink as they were, they were not so pink as her cheeks, and her eyes shone like stars. Amelia Spencer put up her hand to push back a rose that had fallen a little out of place, and the old lady envied her fiercely. "'That dress couldn't have fitted better if it had been made for you,' said Mrs. Spencer admiringly. "'Ain't she lovely, Amelia? Who could have sent it?' "'Oh, I feel sure that Mrs. Moore was the fairy godmother,' said Sylvia. "'There is nobody else who would. It was dear of her. She knew I wished so much to go to the party with Janet.' I wish Auntie could see me now. Sylvia gave a little sigh in spite of her joy. There's nobody else to care very much. Ah, Sylvia, you were wrong. There was somebody else, somebody who cared very much, an old lady with eager, devouring eyes, who was standing under the lilac bush, and who presently stole away through the moonlit orchard to the woods like a shadow, going home with a vision of you and your girlish beauty to companion her through the watches of that summer night. End of part three of chapter two.